0: The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Want to know what your competitors are up to? Serving as an essential ad and marketing intelligence platform, Social Peta covers advertising data from over 80 global ad networks across 70 countries and regions. And they have more than 300 enterprise clients. You might have heard of a few, including Google, Tencent Games, NetEase Games, and so much more. Learn more by visiting SocialPeta.com. That's social com. Do you know how well your mobile ads are performing? Let Broda unify all your app monetization into one powerful platform, giving you access to Google ad exchange and insights that you need to scale your ad revenue. Check them out at at atbroda.com. What is up fam? Welcome to Fridays with App Masters. You know the Friday mornings that you want to be because we're going to really break down what's working in the app business and give you concrete strategies. None of this macro, high level, fluffy stuff, but more of the details, the in the weeds, actionable content that helps you grow your app downloads and more importantly, those revenues. And today we're going to talk about an overlooked and undervalued possibly, but the unexpected channel that's really going to help you drive your revenues. And joining me today is the CEO of, of HelpShift. HelpShift, just so you guys know, is the mobile-first platform customer service. I have it somewhere. here. Okay, here we go. HelpShift is the mobile-first customer service platform with companies such as Zynga, Microsoft, Viacom, and hundreds more leading brands. It's going to really help you in the beginning, this is what I feel, Eric. So you feel free to disagree. But in the beginning, it's going to help you figure out product market fit. And when you're at scale, really automate and give your customers the experience that they're going to love with immediate responses, all the platforms, but go sh- check out helpshift.com. Eric, did I do a good enough job explaining help? Shift? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. I, I love the the concept of undervalued i think it is yeah everybody likes to talk about how do i acquire how do i engage in the app (laughs) um sometimes people need help and we forget about that or we think that the only way to give them help is to throw them out of the app and uh, yeah those are
0: bad things you know what i was wondering how you might feel about The undervalue, but I do feel the same way. You know, it's kind of like we think about Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, top of the funnel, all that stuff, but then we don't spend enough time. And I've been trying to make that shift to really thinking about like, once you're in the app, like how do we give them that great user experience?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, when you're in the app, um, you, it might be, uh, might be visually out. Whoops. You? Sorry,
0: I lost you. My yeah. fault. <laughs> I meant it, to make it, it be, full screen.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it might be visually outstanding, and it, you know, it might be engaging, but it might be a bug, or you know, that that repeatedly um, you, you come across, or it, there might be some sort of challenge. Um, yeah, you know, we see in in a lot of you know gaming apps too. There's bullying that that happens, things like that, and you want. You, you want to have uh, a means for your for your customer to reach back out to you and say, "I need some help." And the way most apps deal with that today, and you know, if you don't believe me, check out. You pull out your phone and open up three or four apps and try and ask for help. The way most of them do it today is they throw you right out of the app. So they will provide you a one eight hundred number. They will throw you into a web form um, and and have you send an email, uh, which you know who knows if 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 you you know when you'll get a response to that or if you'll even take the time uh to look at it but it strikes me that so many companies so many brands spend a lot of time trying to drive people into the app and spend a lot of money on that uh the concept of you know at your most vulnerable time when you need help getting the boot and get thrown out of the app is just yeah. it's it's one that I don't understand. I think it's one that probably, you know, four or five years from now, three years from now, I don't know when it'll be. People look back on it and laugh and say, I can't believe we did that.
0: You know what I hate too, is the email thing because I use a different email app than default one. So when it says yeah. it's just like a mail to link, it's just like your mail can't be found. I'm like, yeah, cause I don't, I don't use the default mail app. I have spark is the one I use, but like I have a different app for that. It really annoys the crap out of me <laughs> when I see that. Yeah. Well, it does for
1: most people. And yeah, you, know, you get a lot of, you know, even young users that um, maybe don't even have their own email. <laughs> hey dad, hey mom, can I use your email address? I need to get help with this you know problem. I've gotten to a spot in the, in the app or the game or whatever that I can't move on from. And I need your email so that I can get somebody to help me. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's talk about some components too, but I want to say some hi, hi to a few people. Rassi's here. What's up? Luke, Joe, Adrian, got Edwin, Christine. I think christine's from help shift so good to see you christine enjoyed working with you rudy's here and then we've got fernando and this weird one but i'll just say hi to you wd and then mike yay mike we're gonna take a look at your app grid wise so mike's here all right be kind eric <laughs> hey so eric let's start with this like what's the best way to collect and analyze this feedback. Is it during the onboarding process? Is it when they have a problem? How do we even know when they have a problem? Like, what's the best way to start collecting some of the feedback?
1: Yeah, well, it's it's certainly in the app, um, and <laughs> you know the the way yeah the, the way our customers do that is you know we have a very easy to embed SDK. So when you're when you're um, launching a new app, you know a lot of a lot of brands will kind of do a a, a small launch, um, or, or they'll do it in a small market. To try and collect feedback, uh, providing that capability right within the app, where you can actually, uh, in in real time, get that feedback from. You also know who you know who they are. You know that where they were in the app uh, as you're as you're collecting that feedback. It really gives you a, an opportunity to ensure that you get high ratings when you actually publish the thing, or you've at least minimized the risk that there's you know a bunch of gotchas in there that you don't have or that you didn't have visibility to before because you know there's a lot of great programs out there that will help you with kind of reliability and 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 security and things like that usability obviously tons of internal testing that that goes on but when you start having real consumers using a it scale it's hard to get that feedback sometimes and get that real-time feedback and get that feedback in the hands of of your product teams um and and so having that that in that in-app built-in feedback mechanism is something that we think is a really great way to get that direct communication from your users right to the product people uh, in real time can't hear
0: you steve I got to stop muting myself (laughs) just be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) My lip reading is not that (laughs) good. I'm sorry. No, what I meant, what I was trying to say was you go on any website these days and you'll see an intercom pop up. So is that one of the best practices when we get our users? I know one of the best practices that we've been saying is, Hey, during the onboarding process, more people will buy, especially for subscription-based apps. More people will buy during that onboarding flow than any other page on your or flow during the app experience but what about when we're trying to incorporate customer feedback is it good to have it pop up right on first use like the intercom that we might see on websites or should we wait a little bit
1: no i think you should you should have that immediately because what's what's the risk for you right you get a okay. you get an opportunity to get real-time feedback from your users and what they like and what they don't like you might ignore it you might you know, you might see how much you get uh, before you make a, a decision. And there are, you know, that like you mentioned intercom, there's a ton of great kind of chatbot bot uh, tools that are out there. They tend to be more or they tend to be less specific to the actual user. And so the um, the, the key element of what we do is it, we, we embed it within the app via the SDK. So you've got that context of where they are in the app, um, you know, what version uh, of phone, uh, they're using, or what, what type of phone, or what what uh, operating system they're using on their phone. Um, you, you can kind of see where they were uh, in the game, where they had uh, where they had that issue, or, or in the um, uh, in the app itself, where they had you know, where they struggled with that issue. And you get that you know in more more in real time, uh, whereas some of those other kind of you know chat bots tend to just be kind of always on, and they're collecting more generic feedback. We think that the context of having it in the app is, you know, is, is a really important aspect of it. Cause that context is super valuable to the product developers.
0: Eric, I'm always wondering like, what is the good question? Cause you know, if you ask Steve jobs, he has a famous quote that says, if you ask the customer or no, maybe it was Henry Ford, the I have different, they both said the same thing, but if you have this customer like Henry Ford is, if I asked the customer what they wanted, they wanted a faster horse, not a car. Right. And so jobs the same way when he was talking about this, but like, I'm always wondering with customer feedback, like, or service, like what are things that we should be asking them? You know, what, how do we analyze some of the data that's coming in? It's like, fix this and fix that. Like, how do we go about asking the right questions? So we get the right answers to fix the product.
1: Well, I, I think that just you know the that kind of the NPS question of would you recommend us to someone else is is mm. is timeless and you know and always works. But um, you, you could ask people you could ask people in advance what kind of rating they they'd give you. And <laughs> you know on the app store, I mean we we te- we use a you know a five point rating system, and so if you ask them in advance and they tell you three, uh, mm. why'd you give us a three? And you're getting that information as they're in the app, using the app, before they actually go out and, and make a rating in the app store to you. So, you know, it may not be an opportunity, right, then and there to change them and say, well, we'll do these things and and please give us a five. It at least gives you those those early indicators of why think, why people might be giving you uh, low ratings uh, in, in the app store. And, and that's, I, I think, you know, whatever, whatever question it kind of probably depends on, on the app, you know, was, was it easy to get through the purchasing process or, you know, did, did the app hang up for you at, at certain times? You could, you could ask specific questions like that, that, you know, are probably contextual based on the type of app that you have, but what kind of rating are you going to give me and would you recommend it to a friend or two pretty powerful ones?
0: <laughs> I like that one. I know the rating one's really popular. If you give me a three or even a four, sometimes you're like, all right, how can we make this a five star? Give us some things. Have you guys seen like, I guess the way I would maybe position this question would be like, what are some cool ways that you have seen your clients and you know, you've got some of the bigger ones out there. So I'm sure they have a lot of data, but what are some cool ways that you, they've been using help shift beyond what you thought was imaginable?
1: Well, I so our best customers automate ninety um, percent of their customer yeah. interactions. So, meaning they've got a, they've got a, a customer that's in the app that has raised their hand and said, "I need help with something," or "I have a challenge," or "I, I need I need support." Ninety uh, percent of the time, those uh, in those customers, they don't get to a human ever, and people, that's kind of a taboo thing, right? Like a lot of people in the, in the world of customer service, customer support say, oh, that's that's too high. You can't do that. You're going to make your customers mad. Well, what what really happens is it, it could, they could go even higher than that, but the 10% that, that actually do get to a human, they're not agents anymore. And so I think, you know, one of the things that I, I actually appreciate is that, you know, when you when you hear the word call center agent, that's not always met with the same context as concierge or personal assistant. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of our customers, their agents are very much that because when you actually leverage the app, you're authenticated, you know who the person is. Uh, you know you know you know some context of the problem that they're having. You've got history there of of you know the last conversations that you've had fully contained within the app, so it becomes more of a continuous dialogue. And so you actually put the agents in a position to really be a concierge or to be a personal assistant. And so I, that's, a, I mean, that's a really cool byproduct of what we do that I don't think was, you know, so necessarily the original mission. But by, you know, leveraging the power of having them in the app, you also put the you put the agents themselves when it does come time to have those one-to-one interactions in a position to, um, you know, to really be a powerful uh, you know, a powerful tool for the brand, powerful branding tool yeah. and and loyalty building tool. And, yeah, you know, we've even seen some of our customers where, um, the contact centers or the customer service, uh, operations are starting to actually become more, uh, more of a marketing tool for them. You know, they're being relied on more for, um, to be kind of loyalty ambassadors or to be involved in loyalty programs, or sometimes even in you know, in, in marketing-related activities, which is a lot easier to do when the customers feel like they actually like you. <laughs> At, you know, yeah. after that that kind of exchange with an agent, where you know we've we've all had customer service issues where we've called and we've spent ten minutes, fifteen minutes, an hour on hold. And then the person wasn't helpful because they didn't have the right tools, they didn't have any context. They asked me for my name and my, you know, ID number or whatever, you know, passcode for the fourth time. Those don't those problems don't happen in 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 you know with our customers. Uh you won't see a help shift customer that has that splash screen that we've all seen that says we're experiencing abnormal, abnormally high vol- call volume. <laughs> Basically, please don't even try, you know, or or you, you should you know temper your expectations because it's gonna be four hours uh, before we we actually respond to you. Uh, because you know by by leveraging the power of kind of that in app um, AI and and orchestration and automation that consumers can use on their time on their schedule whenever they want, it it allows you to really. Um, uh, you know, account for it much more easily handle those unplanned things like big spikes, because maybe your app is just a hit and all of a sudden you need a, you need a thousand support people and, and your, your business has 10 people in it, you know, or, or you had that huge spike because it was a, you know, it was a retail app and, and, you know, the holiday season's over and, you know, it, it goes way down, obviously, you don't want to to people go at that point. And so those, you know, those automation capabilities in the app really help. You know people kind of uh level out those spikes uh if you will and get a consistent support experience from your brand no matter one what one of the things
0: that is too was the multilingual bots that's pretty cool especially for some of these bigger brands that need that localization that's really neat
1: yeah our customers uh um pr- provide support to their customers in over 180 different languages that's um, crazy. so yeah i mean the app is always on it's it's like the you know it's the <laughs> It's the world marketplace, and it, it is the vehicle that gives you 24-7, 365 to anybody around the world.
0: Yeah, I love that. Hey, Eric, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. And, I, you know, we did the, – the headline was, like, the unexpected channel that can help you drive revenues. Have you seen – do you have any like examples or studies of some of the apps that you guys have worked with and helped support – of people like literally using their customer service to help drive more revenues, whether it's what you said, and I fully believe in this, where customer service should be part of the marketing, should be part of the product team because they know their customers. They know what people are complaining about.
1: Yeah. We, um, we, we have some examples on our website of, of, you know, some of the things that uh, um, you know, some of our specific customer examples. Um, I, I don't have a, A great one, top of mind for revenue growth. Um, Although I think there's some on there. I just you put me on the spot, and I'm unprepared for that one. But (laughs) but but in terms of of you know savings, um, you know through automation, um, huge. And and you know as you think about your app, really allows you to grow, and it allows you to grow your revenues. And and grow your revenues in that in-app channel. Seven of the top 10 revenue generating apps uh, globally and 12 of the top 20 use help shifts uh, in their apps. And so companies that have figured out how to monetize the app recognize the importance of keeping customers in the app. And what happens is as you scale and you grow your revenue, you get more support issues. You need to hire more people. You can't hire people fast enough. And so I don't I can't think of a single example where we've had a customer that said i've been able to get rid of support agents because we implemented help shift but there's lots of examples of where they say i've been able to grow i've been able to double triple quadruple my business without doubling tripling quadrupling the people that i have in support and also my agents are a lot happier because all the kind of robotic tasks that are typically done um, by you know by by humans are, are done by the bots. So those support agents end up with, with a whole lot more fulfilling job, a lot more job satisfaction than, than you know, they, they have in some of the more, uh, I guess, high volume kind of ticket closing environments that we can probably all think of, you know, banks, phone companies, things like that.
0: Yeah. So like here, there, there's one that I pulled up here. Like you guys can check out the blog as well, but. Yeah. I really like this. Like I want to get into some of the D de- why you should care about mobile gaming no matter what your app type is but it looks like it's more of the automation having happy customers that are in stress and need help it's going to really help you figure out make them more happy and they're more happy then they're more likely to give you a rating they're more likely to subscribe things like that they are yeah yeah I like it, but it looks like automation is the big thing, right? Like I kind of like it too. You know what, these these bots are really smart because they're like, Hey Steve, what are you having problems with? And I'm like, or like a refund, right? Like, and then they're like, boop, 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 and then done. Like <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy how smart these bots are becoming.
1: They are. And you know, a lot of our customers leverage, um, you know, working the, the bots working in concert with the human agents. So they, they work together as a team yeah. and, and actually that is the experience that we we find is the high, yields the highest possible csat so it's not it, it's not purely an agent experience purely a one on one experience it's not purely a bot experience it's actually the combination of bots and humans working together that yields the highest possible right. csat because it, it, you know if you think about it bots are a great way to collect you know, information to empower your agents to be a whole lot more effective when they get on the, you know, when they get on the phone or they get on the live chat or, or, um, or, or just messaging with, uh, with the consumer. And so that yields, um, that, that typically yields a pretty, uh, a pretty high CSAT with customers. And we'll find that sometimes, you know, for example, you might, you might, uh, you know, log in or, or you might say you, you've lost your password, the bot. Uh, can help you with the reset of the password and take care of all that. You don't need to talk to an agent, but then maybe you want to buy, you want to buy something, you want to buy some add-on to your account. You talk to a human, you know, escalate to a human kind of all in that, you know, that same uh, experience. And then maybe there's one other thing that you need uh, at the end that there's a bot set up to do that the human agent can pass you right back to the bot then to, you know, complete the process. And then that whole history, stays with you. I mean, it, you know, the mobile app is such a great tool as well, just to have continuous engagement with the brand on so many levels, you know, from, a, you know, from a marketing perspective, you know, we think about that from, you know, kind of a product experience trial, even delivery perspective, we think about that, but from a support perspective, as well, it's probably Nirvana, And you know, maybe I'm, I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid a little bit here, but there's actually <laughs> no reason that there's no reason that support has to have such a negative context. know it really can just be a relationship it just it should just be another relationship and if if you think about what you use your phone for from a communication perspective you use it in so many ways as a relationship tool with other people in your life you know all the messages the social media um everything else that you use your phone for it's it is like for me at least it's my primary relationship tool with just about everybody personally professionally with my family um there's absolutely no reason it can't be that for brands and brands that do it right with their apps, not just support, you know, a lot of the other things that you talk about uh, on, on your show as well. It sets brands up to really allow that device to be that same kind of relationship tool uh, that it is for all the other relationships in your life.
0: Well, I like this case study here, and this goes back to, and I fully believe this, what we talked about in the beginning, you know, half break when launching Fruit Ninja 2, they really utilize help shift and really, you know, like you would think fruit ninja is so popular they have all this data they understand their users but they they were kind the you guys can read this but it's like especially in the beginning like you really want to get that user feedback where they're getting bugs where are they falling off what do they have questions about and especially for a game that's as simple as fruit ninja right eric like you would think that it's like so simple like why would anybody have questions but i think it it speaks volume and i i talked to so many app developers like steve I just had a call today is like how do i increase my daily active users and i was like look you're gonna have to really pay attention to the people that are in your app and not just focus on the top of the funnel because every time we think about growth we always think top of the funnel and not enough within the down funnel metrics as i like to say
1: yeah it's you know we didn't set out to be a uh, a gaming uh, support tool uh, <laughs> at, at all um but you know a large percentage of our customers are gaming we've got a lot of others you know in retail and fintech and hospitality and some of these other things and, and those are growing fast but i my my advice to your readers is be pay attention to gaming because they really mm-hmm. are at the forefront of this you know they understand what it takes to make a great app they're in an insanely competitive environment they've got to constantly be innovating if you don't You know, if you don't, and you're, you know, talk talk about you know the companies that kind of go from you know way up here to way down here really fast. I mean, that happens to gaming companies, right? They're you know for whatever reason people lose interest in in the game, Um, and so gaming companies are are you know incredibly good at figuring out kind of all of those different vectors of app maturity and and you know app engagement. And they understand that if they throw you out of the app for any reason, um, because it's hard to buy, it's hard to pay for what they're doing, it's hard to use, and certainly if it's hard to support, then um, you, you know, your your app is your app is dead, and and you know so is all the revenue that is attached to it.
0: Yeah, look at this stat right here that you guys, and this is all the article you should care about more gaming no matter what type of app you have and i fully agree with this too by the way i'm not just shooting because i do feel like especially from an advertising perspective from some of the things that they might be doing within the app itself they are pioneers because like you said eric it's just like their metric their metrics have to be super tight right and so they don't have subscription revenue not yet to rely on that we're like oh we just got old money coming in but look at this category it's insane i can't believe games i mean i can but but Twenty five percent of the market—it's all in games. Yeah, really crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of those, and the you know two million plus apps a year that are coming out now—it's just it, it. There's a lot that the rest of the world can can learn from gaming for sure, and pay attention to uh, in gaming. You mentioned the advertising. I mean, a lot of the mm-hmm. things that you know that Apple's doing now to try and you know protect privacy and security. That's the other thing you got to think about is when you're in the app, you can market freely, uh, you know, to people without, um, we, you know, without running amok of, of, you know, Apple privacy rules. And I think we've seen, we've seen quite a bit of consolidation in gaming. I think part of it's, you know, led by that um, with, you know, Microsoft in the process of of acquiring uh, Activision Blizzard. Right now, Zynga was just acquired. There's, you know, been a whole bunch of other small gaming studios that have kind of been part of, you know, consolidations it's a pretty uh it's a pretty interesting um it's a pretty interesting marketplace and you know another thing that i think is, is going to happen and i'm basing this on my in-house focus group i have i have 18 two daughters that are 18 and 20 and right now most of <laughs> their you know most of their purchasing power is is you know via uh via my wife and i um but that's going to change dramatically you know for them and a lot of people in their demographic in the next 5 years and I think as their buying power increases um the not just in gaming but all of these other brands I I don't think my my children will ever wait on hold the amount of time that I've spent in my life waiting on hold with oh, my no. uh cable company my phone company my insurance company my airlines you know things like that like they don't right they will like, what do you mean? I can't do this in the app, or what do you mean? I actually have to talk to a human? I'm just going to cancel you and move on to the next uh, brand. You know, they're not. So you you think about that next generation of consumers, the you know the buying power that you know they're building up. They're not going to tolerate that kind of legacy support model that um, you know is is wrought with a lot of repetition and waiting. <laughs> they don't like to do that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And one of the, I wanted to put you on the spot again, Eric, but one of the ways of, like from previous interview, people have used this sort of gene and app support to be like attribution, like, hey, where did you find out about us? Right. Like, and, and kind of using that in early days, maybe you don't want to pay for an MMP mobile measurement partner, and maybe you want to use help shift to kind of get a sense of where people are coming from. Have you seen some clever ways? I know you mentioned marketing and I love that, right? Like, Why aren't you marketing? I've been trying to push people to be more aggressive with their marketing because mobile users so fickle and they may not come back that second, that third time. So within that first, let's say three opens, you want to have some deal in there. Are there some creative ways that people are using help shift to besides customer service, like engage or attribution, marketing, whatever you want to take it.
1: Yeah. In general, I would say no. Um, you know, we are we we are very passionate about the customer service aspect of this, and and you know that is our place in the world. Um, we we believe that um, at, at some point, not too far down the road, whether it's three years from now, five years from now, I, I can't predict, but we believe that the maybe even the majority of customer service issues will originate from within the app and so we're very passionate about the customer service aspect of it there's a ton of great tools that can help you with you know kind of that marketing um, and continuous marketing engagement piece of it which is absolutely a complement to what we do and part of i think making a great app is there's a lot of good tools and technology out there that are focused on helping get people in keep them engaged keep them in the app But we very very exclusively focus on the on the customer service part of it I I did mention before that we are starting to see customer service, though, uh, become more involved in the marketing, particularly around kind of loyalty programs and things like that. Um, Because, you know, if if you turn your customer service organization into somebody that has more of a relationship with your consumers, agents that are more personal assistants or kind of concierge kind of service versus, you know, just ticket closers trying to get you off the phone you've got an opportunity to, to use them, you know, as, as loyalty ambassadors, or as, you know, as part of marketing, trying to upsell, cross sell things like that. Uh, so we do, we, we certainly do see uh, much, uh, much more of that. Um, you know, the other thing that, you know, we're thinking about, we're spending a lot of time thinking about right now, Steve, is, um, is the metaverse. Um, a lot of our customers are pioneers, um, you know, in the metaverse, they're helping build, the metaverse and we see that, you know the, the kind of the metaverse as certainly a very interesting cool thing for kind of the next generation of gaming but personally i see it as an in, you know an insanely powerful tool for the next generation of healthcare and you know professional environments and you know like the idea of you know being in a in a, in a vr room with somebody that you know speaks only Portuguese that's sitting in Brazil and somebody that speaks only Japanese that's sitting in in Tokyo at the same time in real time talking, understanding each other in a virtual world and being able to engage and interact and and have a, you know, a a business conversation or work on a project together is like there's such a limitless amount of things that, um, you know, that will come from that, Um, you know, and, and from a support perspective, certainly, it, you know, when you're in that virtual world, uh leaving to go right on write on an email to someone is highly impractical.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah. All right, we got a question from the audience. Luke says, sorry, Luke, it took a minute. Hey Eric, can you send push notifications out to individuals if you're too late to respond to their message due to time zones? Yeah, absolutely. Major- I mean
1: yeah. And, and, you know, the, at the core of, of what we do, it's, it really is a messaging platform from within the app. So you would send, um, typically, you've got, you know, the the bots to help with responses 24 seven 365. And so a lot of times, you know, the, the customers around the clock will be able to get their, um, their answers. But if you need help from an actual human, and maybe you've only got the ability to provide support, maybe eight to five in your local time zone, when a human actually responds, later when they get in and they address the issue the the end user would see a, a push notification right in the app that says you've got a response and they they'd be able to respond and you know back and forth as that's needed cool.
0: yeah that's really neat i love it okay tired of overpaying for app store optimization get unlimited aso and app marketing support to increase your keyword rankings downloads and more importantly your revenue. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.